This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank You again. Lord, we uh, thank You for loving us. Thank You for giving us opportunity to come together and pray and study. And Lord, as always, when we come together, we, we look to You and ask for Your direction, ask for enablement. Enable us to do what we've come to do, to give honor and glory to You and to learn from Your, your Word. And we do pray also for these that were just mentioned. And uh, Lord, we just want to uh, add them to, our, our, uh, to the list in our minds and as well as on paper, Lord. Uh, we pray for them and ask for uh, Your intervention for this one who's uh, having, having trouble with the foot, Lord. And uh, Lord, may, may, uh, may they not have to go any further with that. We pray for recovery there and we pray for Brett and Marie for safety as they travel. Again, we thank You for Your Word. Please bless this uh, proclamation and this hearing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter 6. Now we're, Lord willing, this, this is it for First Timothy tonight. Um, we're just going to look at these last couple of verses uh, tonight and finish this, this study up. Um, Starting in verse 20, just the last two, last two verses. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Alright, so those are the final words of, of Paul's instruction to Timothy. And what I want to do is a couple things here before we um, get back into those two verses. Just, uh, just, just I want to highlight some of the things that Paul has emphasized, and I think it will help us wrap it up here. Um, I've mentioned several times as we've been going through here that there's a, there's a great deal of emphasis primarily uh, on two things, and that is uh, doctrine, sound doctrine, and godliness. So essentially, just just like we've been basically been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, um, you, you've got sound doctrine and um, practice. Godliness, practice is living it out, living out what we are uh, what we are taught in God's revelation. Sound doctrine is the basis for um, godliness, practice, practicing righteousness as. As uh, Matthew says, sound doctrine is the basis for that. It, it informs our actions. It, it, it's, uh, a, a, well, the, the basis for it. The, the practice, the godliness, godly living is the result of sound doctrine. It, sound, it flows out of sound doctrine. And, and again, I just want to take you through a couple of, point out a couple of uh, words and phrases here that I've noticed, um, that I, that I think just kind of, uh, Paul uses to kind of emphasize this. Um, first of all, just the word doctrine, all right? Used several times here. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3. 
And, and it's just teaching, by the way. It just means teaching. So some translations will say doctrine. Some will say teaching. 1 Timothy 1.3, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So he, he begins the letter by telling Timothy um, in a... Uh, Kind of, kind of, kind of put in a negative form. Uh, you can tell here that he's he's going to be highlighting sound doctrine. He starts out by saying, "We want to stop those who are teaching false doctrine or other doctrine." Is the word used here hetero, uh, meaning other. So anything other than is the idea, other than sound doctrine. That is the teaching uh, of the gospel. Also, chapter one, verse ten, um, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, or perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So again, there's the contrast. Sound doctrine as opposed to other doctrine, which leads to the things he's mentioning here. Um, 1 Timothy 4, 6. If you, again he's speaking to Timothy, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good Minister of Jesus Christ. We're going to notice that one too in a little bit. Good. Um, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So here he calls it good doctrine. It's, uh, it's good. It's acceptable, noble. Um, and he also refers to it as words of faith. If you do these things, if you do what I'm telling you, Timothy, you'll be a good minister, a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine. 4.13 Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now remember, uh, like we've mentioned several times, Paul's reason for writing here is so that we may know how to conduct ourselves in the household of God, right? And I think, um, uh, well, he's, he's dealing with the Christian life in general, but also in, in the assembly, um, how, how we uh, conduct ourselves as the, uh, the church of God, the assembly of God. And so, here he says, uh, give attention to reading, Exhortation and to teaching. Reading, exhortation, and teaching. Very, very important <laughs> for the church. This is what we're about. Uh, about truth, sound doctrine. And, and that's, again, just another way. What, what we're talking about here is truth. And we'll get to that in a moment again with, uh, with verse 20. What Paul is telling Timothy to guard is the truth, which is... Uh, uh, embodied in the sound doctrine that he's talking about, the gospel. 5.17, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and teaching or doctrine. 6.1, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and His doctrine may not be blasphemed. God's teaching. Uh, he's telling uh, slaves to honor their masters so that God's teaching, the truth of God, is not blasphemed. And then chapter 6 again, verse 3, 
Um, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, notice that phrase, uh, wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. So here it's, he uses uh, three things to designate uh, the truth, the truth of the gospel. Um, wholesome words, words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and doctrine which accords with godliness. And there you have those two ideas together again in 6.3. Doctrine, godliness. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times there. Um, Paul uses in this little letter the word doctrine. It, it has significance. He's talking about um, right teaching, which leads to right living. Sound doctrine and godliness. And as I mentioned a moment ago, um, when we were looking at chapter 4, verse 6, he calls it good doctrine. He, he says, tells Timothy, you'll be a good minister if you do these things. So there's there's also some emphasis... Uh, uh, on the idea of, of good, which I think is important. And, and I think all of this ties together because it's all part of, of knowing, um, believing, living the truth. It's, it is the teaching, the, the doctrine of God. And it's good. So 4.6, that's the one I just mentioned. Uh, also, go back to chapter 1 again. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, conscience, and from sincere faith. Chapter 1, verse 8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Um, verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Good doctrine, um, good conscience, good warfare, good law, which is uh, sometimes a way of, des- of speaking of the Word of God. 119, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So there again, he refers to a good conscience as part of, part of the uh, uh, um, adherence to the truth. And Chapter 2, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And uh, that's where he exhorts men to pray for all men everywhere, uh, praying for leaders and so forth. It's good. It's a good thing to do because it's acceptable in the sight of God. Chapter 3, verse 1, This is a faithful saying, If a man desires the position of overseer, he desires a good work. And then verse 2, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, Moreover, he must have a good testimony. Among those who are outside, in verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13, for those who have served well as a deacon, obtain for themselves a good standing. Great boldness in the faith. Um, chapter 4, verse 4, 
Um, here he's, he is um, dealing with false doctrine. Some um, command abstinence from certain foods. And he says in uh, chapter 4, verse 4, For every creature of God is good. Verse 6, I already mentioned. Um, let's get that. Go to chapter 5, verse 4. In his instruction concerning widows, If any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. So here, um, talking about the conduct of widows, he, he says, um, um, he gives these things that they should be doing. He said, this is good and acceptable before God. Similar to what he says about um, praying for those in authority and so forth. It's good and acceptable in the sight of God. Chapter 6, verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession. And then verse 13, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed or bore witness to the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Good confession, um, good doctrine, good conscience, good work, Good servant. Um, he's, he's putting a lot of emphasis on the idea of good. And I, the reason I, I mention that is because, again, I think this is part of um, synonymous, you might say, with what is true. What is, what is truly good is only what is true. And what is um, true is good. Uh, often referred to as, you know, usually they'll, they'll put... Uh, uh, categorize three things, the good, the true, the beautiful. And uh, anyway, there's, there's quite a bit of emphasis here on what is good. And I think it, it, it uh, is important to his, his concern for sound doctrine. In other words, truth. Truth. Truth is good. Christians live um, good lives is the idea here. It's just again, like we're seeing in the Sermon on the Mount. Practicing righteousness, doing good, living the truth. Okay, um, there's emphasis here uh, somewhat on, on good works. First Timothy 2.10, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So he's talking about good works that are appropriate to godliness or uh uh, uh, consistent with godly living. Godliness, godlikeness, as we've said before. Chapter 5, verse 10. Um, well reported of for good works, if she has brought... Again, this is an instruction for widows. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. So here in his instructions on... Um, which uh, destitute widows are to be cared for. He's saying they, they, they have to be characterized by good works. And he gives some examples. They brought up children, lodged strangers, washed the saints' feet, uh, relieved the afflicted, diligently followed good works. Um, in chapter 5, verse 25, um, Verse 24, he says, Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow after. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, 
and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. And then in his instructions for the uh, for the rich believers, chapter six, verse eighteen and nineteen, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So he says, let them do good, be rich in good works, store up for themselves a good foundation, that they may lay hold on eternal life. A lot of emphasis there on good works, because, again, it's just another way of saying Godliness or, or, or godly. Sound doctrine and godliness. Yeah, since we're mentioning godliness, we'll, we'll go to that one. First Timothy 2 2. Um, in his, again, in his instruction for, uh, prayer for those in authority. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Pray for those in authority so that we may live um, a life of godliness and reverence. In uh, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> All right, let me just start in verse 9. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but, what, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So he's looking for uh, godliness uh, with good works. Um, looking for uh, women who conduct themselves, women to conduct themselves in a manner consistent with godliness. Um, what was the, you remember the, the definition I gave you for, for godliness? Just kind of a short. Godlikeness. There you go. Godlikeness. Alright. In 3.16. Now that here he's, he's, uh, referring to the, uh, <clears throat> the mystery of the gospel, the good news. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Of course, a reference to Jesus Christ. Um, 1 Timothy 4.7, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward Godliness. Now that's uh, pretty close, isn't it, to what we have tonight in, in uh, chapter 6, verse 20. Guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. So uh, here in 4 7, reject profane and old wives' fables. Again, the, the idea is reject uh, the unhealthy doctrine, the unsound, the false doctrine. Uh, in favor of sound doctrine, uh, because false doctrine leads to ungodliness, and we're to live lives of godliness. Um, verse eight, still in chapter four, verse eight: For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. 
having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise profits a little, he says. The idea there is uh, temporarily. Uh, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. has eternal value. And chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which accords with godliness. Doctrine that accords with godliness. Um, chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And he's talking about the, uh, the, those who oppose godliness and, and uh, the things that they get caught up in here. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, um, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds. And by the way, keep this in mind too when we come back to verse 20. Uh, avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Um, anyway, verse, <clears throat> verse 5 again. Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. And that kind of sums up what he's been saying all, all the way through. Flee these things and pursue godliness. Go after uh, or leave behind the false doctrine, the things that lead to that lead to ungodliness, the superstitions, the fables, the false religion, doctrines of men, and pursue godliness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue patience. Pursue gentleness. All right. Now that brings me back to verse twenty. With all that in mind. Paul tells Timothy, he's given him all this instruction. Here's how you're to conduct yourself as the household of God. Here's how you are to act, is the idea, as the children of God. And now he says to Timothy, guard it. Keep it. Keep these things. The truth. The church is what? Church of the living God is the pillar and ground of the truth, the truth, which is sound doctrine. And as I mentioned before, the word sound there uh, just means healthy. In fact, uh, as we saw in one place there, he calls it wholesome words, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 20, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. And, and this is what I'm, I'm submitting to you, that what, he, what he's talking about there, you say, well, what was committed to Timothy's trust? Sound doctrine. The Gospel. The Gospel message. It was committed to Paul by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And Paul has committed it to Timothy and urged him to commit it to other faithful men. Keep it, he says. Guard it. Treat it, in other words, as something valuable. 
priceless. Treasure the truth. Consider the truth to be guarded. It's worth being defended, protected, kept. Had someone say to me one time, well, if it's true, it doesn't need to be defended. Well, uh, yes, it does. In fact, we're, we're commanded uh, to defend it. Defend the truth. Um, somebody could say something, uh, you know, untrue about my, my wife and, and, and me knowing well that it's untrue, I would still feel the need to defend her, right? And the, the truth is true, and it does, and certainly it stands on its own. The gospel stands. It's not that, um, uh, we need to prove it in any way, but defend it in the sense that we declare it, um, declare it to be true, um, stand against those who oppose it, guard the truth, keep the truth, like, like you would keep something precious to you. That's the attitude of Scripture. David said in Psalm 119, Oh, how love I thy law. It's my meditation all the day long. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Keep it. Guard it. It's a precious possession. Oh, Timothy, he says, Guard what was committed to your trust. Avoiding profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. In other words, some are claiming uh, to have knowledge that they don't really have. So he says, guard the truth and avoid the false knowledge. Let me give you just one example of that that Paul gives, and he doesn't give us a lot of detail on it, but he does say back in chapter 1, um, now the purpose of the commandment is love, chapter 1, verse 5, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. In other words, they don't, Paul's saying they don't know what they're talking about. They're professing a knowledge that they do not have. So he says to, to Timothy, avoid that kind of foolish babbling and guard the truth. Guard the truth that has been committed to your trust. There's a similar charge. Let me, let me, uh, Flip over to Second Timothy. Let's see here. Second Timothy, verse uh, chapter one, verse twelve. For this reason, I, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. You hear his charge there? Hold fast, Timothy. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me 
verse 14, um, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit, or literally through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Um, there's a there's a little variance here. Leslie, you have your ESV? I'm reading from the New King James. And read uh, verse 12 in, from the ESV. Because there's, a, there's an alternate translation here. I want you to hear it. It can be translated this way. And it is. 12. Okay, right there. He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Where the old, the, where the King James Version has uh, what I have entrusted to him. Um, so if, if the, the uh, translation that she just read is correct, um, it would seem to me to fit better, uh, for example, with, uh, verse 13, the following verse, hold fast the pattern of sound words which which uh, you have heard from me. Paul's talking about something he's committed to Timothy. And then verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you. He's talking about uh, something he's committed to Timothy. And it would seem to me, verse 12, he's talking about something the Lord has committed to him. Um, but, it, or it may be, as, as is word to hear again, uh, the King James reads, or the New King James here, uh, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that Keep what I have committed to him until that day. So he, God has entrusted Paul with something. He's entrusted him with the gospel, and 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 then Paul in turn entrusts the message to other men, and and uh, and so on. And he is urging Timothy to guard it, guard it, value it. It's a it's a deposit or a trust, and avoid. The faults. Avoid the faults. Um, couple of couple of ways. I'm, I'm, I'm just things that were going through my head. Treasure the truth. Avoid the error. Right. That's what Paul's saying. Guard the truth. Con- consider it as something precious. And avoid what is false. Well, how do you do that? Let me let me let me say it this way. Let me put it in the negative. What what don't do? Because because here's here's what we have the tendency to do is uh, you know we often use the the analogy of a pendulum. If, if you if you can picture the the truth as being uh, dead center in your vision, and what what men all of, men and women all of us have the tendency to do is is go to one side or the other. Instead of saying dead, staying dead center in our in our view of things and in our pursuit of things, and I think that's what Paul is saying: guard guard the truth. Keep your keep your focus on it. Keep it as the as the primary, as the most precious thing. So, for example, um, we we would say it this way in today's uh, you know theologically you're think, thinking about different schools of theology out there. Um, don't be a liberal theologically. Don't be a libertine. 
And on the other side of the pendulum, don't be a legalist. And, and we have both of those tendencies, don't we? Either to be somewhat like the Sadducees and, and we don't take the Word of God seriously, the truth of God seriously, and, and we've just become almost totally secular in our thinking and in our actions. In other words, we live for this age and God's Word is devalued. Or, we become like the Pharisees and we, we give lip service to the Word of God and profess a great love for the truth, but uh, in reality, uh, we just become legalists. And we take the truth and twist it and pervert it. And both sides are essentially doing the same thing. They're, they're taking the revelation of God and shoving it aside for their own preference. And some prefer, you know, liberalism or libertinism, if that's a word, I think it is. And some prefer legal Ism, especially if they can be the preachers of it. You know, I mean, like Jesus said, um, do what the Pharisees do, or say rather, but don't do what they do. Because <laughs> they were good about putting the rules out there. They weren't always so good at, at keeping them. So, so avoid that kind of liberalism and avoid legalism. Stick to the truth. You know, we, we tend to hold things dear that don't, matter one way or the other. Certain styles of music, certain orders of service, certain furniture in the building, certain style of building, certain style of preaching. I mean, we, we tend to set our hearts and our minds on things that are only temporal and secondary at best. Paul is saying, value the truth. That's where, that's where you want to invest everything. In God's revealed truth. Hold it dear. Count it as something precious. Treasure it. You can be flexible on the rest of the things, but guard the truth. Guard the truth. Don't back off of that. Just this week, I was reading about a young man who I, I, I'm not real familiar with. I'd heard his name. I knew he was popular, or is popular. His name is Rob Bell. And apparently, he's a, <clears throat> he was one of these up-and-coming preachers, I think, in the emerging church movement. But, but my understanding is, up until now, he's been considered uh, you know, a good preacher, evangelical. But he, he's, he's releasing a book. My understanding is, and, and uh, hopefully this is wrong, but, but I don't think so. But he's releasing a book in which he supposedly reveals that he is he has come to accept universalism. This this man, although like I say, I'm not real familiar with him myself. I've just heard his name. He he is a widely known pastor of a large church, um, and now he's apparently saying that. Uh, essentially, there's no, no such thing as hell. <laughs> or if there is, nobody's going to be there. Everybody is going to be included in the love of God in the end.
Guard the truth, Paul says to Timothy. That, that may make a great sermon, you know, and that may win you a lot of hearers. But the problem is it's not true. So Paul says, Timothy, oh, Timothy, guard the truth. Keep it. Treasure it. And avoid the foolishness of those things that contradict God's Word. Avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And I, I don't know how this, this young man, again, because I, I don't know much about him, but apparently he was, he, you know, he's been highly esteemed. I don't know how he, he came to this supposed knowledge. But it's false knowledge. And Paul's telling Timothy, avoid that. Now, one last thing here. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. That applies, again, not just to somebody that embraces universalism, but all of these things that Paul has, has mentioned here, like the ungodliness uh, uh, we read back in, uh, in chapter 1, that, that uh, all of this stuff leads to through the legalistic, you know, some, some preaching the law when they don't even know what they're talking about themselves. Or, uh, you know, commanding some to abstain from certain foods or commanding some to abstain from marriage. Paul calls those things doctrines of demons. Avoid those things, Timothy, because by professing those things, some have strayed concerning the faith. Now, here's the last thing. How how do you do all that? I've kind of given some examples. But it's it's, it's disheartening sometimes, isn't it? Especially when you you read of someone who supposedly has has stood for the truth and and they fall... And then here we are commanded, (laughs) fight the good fight. Hold fast. Lay hold on eternal life. Guard the truth. How do you do that? Verse 21. I think it's in Paul's closing words. Grace be with you. Amen. So be it. He he lays out all of these things. Here, Timothy, here's how here's how you and the church at Ephesus, here's how you are to conduct yourselves as the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Here's how here's how you are to be, here's what you are to be. You are to live godly in this world. You're to shun false doctrine and hold fast to the true. Live, hear, teach sound doctrine. Now, do these things, Timothy. Do them! And command others to do them. 
grace be with you. And that's the only way it's going to get done. God gives the enablement to do what He commands to be done. And it's just, it's just grace. Now, it's, it's an amazing thing to me. It's like Philippians 2, uh, I think it's 2.12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Paul says to the Philippian church. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Well, which is it? Do I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling? Or is it God who works in me? And Paul says, yes, you've got it. Now do it! Grace be with you. <laughs> so you got God's sovereignty and the responsibility of man perfectly united. I, I can't explain to you exactly how, but I just know they are because that's the way it is in Scripture. Story is, Charles Spurgeon was asked one time, how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man? And his response was, friends don't have to be reconciled. <laughs> so Paul says, do these things, Timothy. Do them! Grace be with you. Our grace be with you all. It's actually uh, plural. Some text. Grace be with you. Amen. Paul says, so be it. So be it. May it be so. And that's it. You guard, guard the truth. Avoid the falsehood by the grace of God. Trust God. Because I know, if you're like me, I mean, your response is, I ain't smart enough to do all that. I ain't smart enough to figure all that out. Well, here's what we do. Trust God. Trust God. And by grace, by grace, when we get to the last breath, we'll be able to say like Paul, by grace, we'll be able to say like Paul, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. He wasn't, I guarantee you, uh, if I know anything about the Apostle Paul, he, he wasn't bragging on himself when he said those words. He knew it was by grace. Grace be with you all. So be it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And Lord, for Your empowering uh, grace. Enabling us to do, by the work of Your Spirit, Your very Spirit working in us. Enabling us to do what we not only cannot do, but would not do. We would have no interest if it were not for uh, Your Spirit acting upon us. If it were not for You imparting life, Lord, we, we look to You. As the psalmist said, um, look to the hills from whence cometh our help.
Our help is in the Lord. Enable us, Father, we pray, to do all that You command here so that we may conduct ourselves faithfully as the household of God. Taking heed to sound doctrine, proving all things, holding fast that which is good, rejecting the faults, so that You are glorified in us as individuals and as a church. According to Your power, Your grace, may it be done, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.